Hey there, fellow conductors of the Metaphysical Examination, and welcome to The Cross Rip, episode number 316. Yes, we are back live on the air, well, not live on tape, but we're here to talk to you about all of the news that's fit to print. We have a lot of stuff coming up with Paul Feig, uh, Ernie Hudson, we're going to remember Stephen Dan, we're going to talk about some music by Mick Smiley, we're going to talk about music that's happening in Germany right now, and we're going to talk about a certain book that may be up for pre-order on Amazon right now. Stay tuned. Still playing with toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. Don't look at me. I think these people are completely nuts. Woo! Yeah. Ooh. Uh, you got the Sorry. Geeky Monkey magazine. I did. Finally. Did, yeah. did, was that something that you had gotten before and you just found it in the move, or did it just arrive? Just arrived. Oh, man. Well, I ordered it. Uh, oh, I think oh, okay. when, we, when we sat down and talked to, to Paul, Mr. Paul Gagnon, 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 <laughs> Paul Gagnon. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think we put in a few extra syllables in there, but yeah. Just to be safe. Yeah. Better too many than not enough. Paul <laughs> Gah, Paul Gah, uh, when we recorded with him, we asked about like, will we get to see the article? And he, he said he'd try, but it was a UK-only magazine. Right. Well, right. I shouldn't say that. Right? Well, I and the, the magazine wasn't the... coming out until later anyway. We did the podcast, and that was like yeah. months prior to the magazine coming out, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, after a while, I was like, I'd like to see that. And it was, like, I don't know, 10 bucks in shipping online. So I said, do it. Give it. Well, that's not bad. Give how, me. How did it turn out? Are, are you and I in there? Are you in there? Did we, did uh, we make it? Did we make the cut? I don't know. I haven't finished reading it. Oh, okay. Were we supposed to make the cut? I thought we were. I thought that was why we were being interviewed by Paul. Mm. But maybe I'm mistaken. I, I thought that you and I were going to miraculously make it in there for like a two well, chuckleheads that have a podcast say. <laughs> okay, my goal now is that we end up on a movie poster, poster somewhere. It says two chuckleheads <laughs> with a podcast say, this is a great fun. <laughs> a roller coaster of a movie. Oh my God. Um, we can do it. It can be done. You didn't even know that you wanted it until I just said it. I didn't. Now we well, both I, want it. I gave it to the yes have some guys because they were talking about the Justice League trailer and they had a very memorable quote that I, I decided was poster worthy and I, I made that for them. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, the, the, the dirty secret is is quite often I get some of these things and depending on the timing, I don't I can't look at it right away. So quite literally all I've done uh, with this magazine is it's it's all in one piece. And yes, there are the pages. <laughs> Talking about Ghostbusters, uh-huh. I will get back to this. I mean, I, I have some free time. I get that. I mean, I have I have the new issue of Cinefix literally sitting on the table in front of me right here, and I haven't even cracked it open uh, because well, Mr. Paul, busy. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's been a little busy, and the cover story is Kong, and I still haven't seen Kong, so yeah, that's that's the that, other thing. Mr. Paul Gah asked me to, uh, to to read over it and give him feedback. So oh, good. Because uh, I think he was talking about expanding it. Oh. Maybe he just mentioned it offhand. Oh, well, that, that would be I a lot dreamt, of fun. Maybe I dreamt the expanded thing. <laughs> well, he did it's get a lot of good interviews, so I'm sure there was stuff that didn't yeah. make the cut. Everything kind of blurs together after a while. Yeah, but uh, well, that's that's cool. Uh, love, love Paul yeah. Gannon. I know that guy's 
out there doing a podcast probably as we I'm sorry, speak. How do, you, how do you pronounce it? What? I said Gannon. Paul. Paul Gannon. Paul Gannon. Gan, Gan, <laughs> Ganny, how were you saying that before? Ganyon? Paul Ga. Paul Ga. Paul G. Yeah, my boy. Paul G. That uh, can't be a real name. That sounds like an <laughs> 80s primetime action series. Paul, yeah. Well, Paul, Paul G sounds like... Uh, Paul G sounds like he's in the Entourage movie, and then Ganon, you're right, sounds like a <laughs> Teddy Savalas uh, cop yeah. show or something. But yeah. then if we try to, like, as a Canadian, if I try to lean on Paul Gagnon, it's like, ah, it's a little too heavy on it. Yes, because the British like it when you really lean on the French <laughs> French sounding names. Why are we picking on Paul's last I name? Don't, right? I don't know. I mean, I'm to blame. For, Paul. This, is, why, this why? is what happens when both you and I have, have not slept. Not uh, spoken we're in a while. Working yeah. uh, crazy hours, and uh, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks either. So I blame you because you're I, supposed to stop me at a reasonable I know, point. I'm sorry, so. I'm sorry. Well, that's uh, you did. Sorry, you did Paul. awesome uh, last week. You know, you took you took over the show and ended that clip show for the Rick Moranis uh, tribute, which was awesome. Uh, <laughs> you, you have this this you're you're very uh, pragmatic. Me, you're like sometimes, sometimes you know, you know, sometimes stuff happens. It's unavoidable. If you know, if we have a dark week, it just we have lives. It just happens. And I'm like, no, <laughs> must put something there <laughs> to the internet. I figured. Well, I, did. I mean, we had we had the the Ackroyd and uh, and the Ivan Reitman interview for the hundredth episode. Yeah. I figured, you know what? It's like. I, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of a book deadline, which is Monday and I'm kind of sweating it out. But, uh, as you're listening to this, you're probably listening and I'm sleeping because I haven't slept in a week. But, um, but yeah, I, I was, I was thinking, we'll just, we'll let everybody absorb yeah. that one. And but, you, you were uh, like, this is a good time to take a breather. And I'm like, send me in coach. I'm good. <laughs> well, and I mean, to your credit, that's, that's a good point. Uh, because I've, I've had a conversation now with Craig Goldberg and a couple of people who, you know, there are podcasts out there where they take a week off and then they take two weeks off and then they take three and four mm. and five. And then suddenly you've got a dead feed on the RSS. So, I mean, uh, good, <laughs> good on you for uh, making sure that we don't slip and we don't uh, miss a week. And, you know, I, I always appreciate when you jump in, especially when there were those, this happened on Wednesday night. I texted you, I don't know, probably an hour before we were supposed to record and said, uh, I, I, I'm not going to make it, man. I don't know what we're going to do. And you, you jumped right in, man. You, you were there. You, you're you missing part say, of the story. Coach. You're missing part of the story too. Oh, you've forgotten a, a critical part of the story. <laughs> well, I, I sent you the text and you didn't respond. Part. Well, yes, I figured exactly. it was, I figured it was received, you know, no news is good news. That's kind of how I'm like, I texted you and I'm like, I'm not going to make it. Let's, let's figure something else out. Let's just figure something out. Like, like, are we still doing it? What's going on? And then if it was a TV show, it would do a, a white cut to two hours earlier. And it's me. And I'm like, I'm just going to put my head. Daddy's going to put his head down for a minute. <laughs> you play a game quietly on the phone and then if you could just tuck yourself in and then daddy will do it and i literally i woke up at one in the morning and the funny part is i woke up at one in the morning and i went fell asleep in my t-shirt i hate that i go take t-shirt i'll go back to bed and then in the morning i woke up and went podcast <laughs> <laughs> It was like, so I'm texting you in the car going, oh my God, what happened? Oh man. Yeah, you did. The The text that I got from you at, at like 11 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning was the equivalent of the, what year is it? <laughs> like it was all caps. 
was, yeah, that was pretty. Well, good, I mean, but... people have heard it for the last little while. I'm I've been stuffed here lately because every stupid tree in the world has decided it's, it's sexy time. Um, <laughs> sexy time. Sexy time. And I literally that earlier that day, uh, I was like, okay, the I already have a problem with post nasal drip and all that. Let's just no doctor. And it was one of those uh, fury, infuriating things where it was like on the weekend. I'm like, I, it's like the the tick with the 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 booger duplicate of himself. I'm like, no, this does not look right. This is obviously heading into <laughs> a, an infection. Going to the doctor, and so I, I rested all weekend, and then you know, because that was the long weekend, and so no doctor Monday. I go Tuesday, two and a half hour wait. I'm like, oh god, all right, I'll come back Wednesday morning, and of course. As per usual, but a weekend of rest, and by the time it got to Wednesday, I go into the doctor. And he's like, "Yeah, you're a little stuffy, but no infection." I'm like, "Yes, because I slept it. Up. It'll come back." No, <laughs> you burned it off. Yeah, he's like, "There's not much we can do." I hear it's. I'll get you a nice spray, and you know, take some antihistamines. What do you have? And I'm like, "Loratadine." He's like, "Yeah, that's Claritin." I'm like, "Okay, why don't I remember the brand name? Why am I only remembering the drug names?" He's like, uh, "You can take more." I'm like, it only says one. He says, you can take up to five times. By the way, people who are listening, that is not a medical recommendation. I was going to say, aren't you, you're knocked out at that point, right? You take five times the amount of the dosage, and that's not... Yeah, he says you can... You, you don't can, do you that. Can, yeah, okay, well, because you never know whether they're like, take one, and you're like, well, what happens if I take two? And you, they never say, with two, you'll pass out, or two, your liver will die. They never tell you, right? There's no... <laughs> So I always just go, ah, fine, I'll go by the thing. And I'm a bigger guy, too, which is why these things, I hate these things. Because I take one, and I'm like, yeah, one didn't do nothing. He's like, you can take up to, well, how much are they? I'm like, eh, little tiny ones. He's like, eh, they're probably five milligrams. You can probably take five, you know, five of them, five times the Oof. recommended dose and be okay. I didn't. I took three, and still, it was like, daddy, still daddy, knocked daddy, you Jeez. Little nap time. <sighs> Wait, I, I think yeah. I've seen this Saturday night movie. That's that's when you have to like take you to the bathtub and do the whole pumping and the No, that's yeah, it's a different different thing. Yeah, it's, the wife has to lay me out on the, the bedroom floor and stick an adrenaline needle into my heart <laughs> or something. I don't know. Anyways, it was it was really awful because actually we had a close call the week before. That's the embarrassing part. Is the week before I woke up at ex- almost nearly the exact same circumstances minus the the, the the antihistamine drugs and woke up at 10 20 or whatever and went <laughs> are you still there hello hello would you like to still do a podcast i know that's the that's the bummer about having to do these at night and uh you know it the, trust me i know we would both love to be sleeping right now but uh but we yeah. have stuff we have stuff we want to talk about we, we have news there's plenty on the rundown here it's another three-page yes. rundown so that's well that's our own fault because last time we went hey, it's a late week you're like, we can go dark. It's a light week. And I'm like, well, I'll fill it up with something. And then, yeah, the next week. It's and then, like, a, of course, explosion. To, yeah, exactly. And to the point where I, I sent the rundown out for this weekend, more things happen. So more things happen. Why yeah. not? Let's let's jump into it because there's a lot. I, I definitely want to talk to you about a couple of these in depth. So let's let's make sure that we save enough time for them. Here we go. Let's get into the news. Hey, guys. Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here. If you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. All right, so speaking of that, Chris, I don't know where we should start. Maybe, do you want to start with 
You know, let's start with Paul Feig at the Tribeca Film Festival because that's sure. Let's that's that's kind of timely, and everything else is is a little not quite as timely. But so uh, Paul Feig uh, was one of the guests at uh, I guess at the Tribeca Film Festival. They do these director series where they do a Q and A for an hour. They don't show a film. But they have a, a select a group of directors that get up and they just do these Q and A's, kind of like inside the actor studio. Um, yeah. And so Michael Che from Saturday Night Live uh, was interviewing Paul Feig as part of that director series, um, and it, it it runs the entire gamut of his career. You know, they talked about uh, Freaks and Geeks and directing episodes of The Office and uh, a Spy and Bridesmaids, um, and in fact, to the point that Paul Feig makes a really excellent joke. Uh, you know, that Beverly Hills Cop, one of the most successful comedies of all time, involves the main character watching his best friend get murdered right in front of his face. How do you make this funny? <laughs> How is this the most successful comedy of all time? But anyway, so I digress. So they did talk about Ghostbusters, obviously. And, um, you know, Che has a pretty unique perspective because he's a Saturday Night Live cast member. He's one of the head writers, um, also friends with Leslie Jones, uh, does the Weekend Update uh, desk, all, all that jazz. So... Um, so he has sort of an insider's perspective on how things happened and the way that he phrased it. He said, when I saw you were directing the movie, I thought, cool. And then when I saw that, uh, it was going to be Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig and Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. I didn't expect the, the reaction that you got. And that's what really triggered polity. I think this is probably the most candid that he's been about things, uh, in saying, you know what? I didn't, I didn't know either. I didn't. To that moment, I had no idea that this was like a religion to a generation of people. You know, it, I, I think he knew that that it was in the pop culture zeitgeist. I think he knew he knew that it was a beloved comedy film, um, but he didn't know that he would be getting quite the response that he was getting. Not not necessarily even just saying the the negative, the trolling, the the things that we've talked about in nauseum, but just the reaction that he got in general, I think was surprising to him. He didn't realize that that was coming. Did I, I mean, his, his exact quote is, I didn't realize it was like a religion for a generation of boys after me. That's, that's what he said. And I'm probably reading maybe a little bit too much into it because it's all a text transcript, but I don't know it. I think when he elaborates on it, Chris, he says, um, Let's see. I've got it. I've got it here. Here we go. He says, what I didn't realize was I was just coming out of film school in my early twenties when the original Ghostbusters came out. We went to see it opening weekend and I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was an amazing idea for a movie, but that was kind of it for me. I didn't realize that it was like a, a religion for a generation of boys after me. And it turned out it was the ultimate boys movie for some weird reason. For a lot of guys, it was their thing. So I didn't realize to them what a sacrilegious thing I did. So it's, it's tough because I, I, I understand his point of view. He was a little bit, he skewed older, um, for when he saw the film, he, uh, he, he wasn't running around with the real Ghostbusters toys and, you know, he, he saw it when he was in his twenties, he loved it and that was it. It was a good movie and it was fun and he was done with it. Um, yeah. so, so he didn't have that same growing up with ghostbusters like people have had growing up with star wars uh it's 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 something that's very unique to a point that people take ownership of things or they feel like a part of the family yeah um, so I, I, I think that's what he's trying to say right chris yeah it wasn't his 11 year old movie he has one we just don't he's never talked about it yeah they all have a, a movie when they were 11 and 12 that and for some it was star wars and for some of us it was ghostbusters for others um i don't know Every movie from the '80s has that that 
that year's crop of 11 or 12 year olds and it just right. you know, hits him dead between the eyes. And uh, that's kind of what it was. He, he, he understood what it was. He saw it and knew how big it was and what a phenomenon it was. And he's, you know, he's a funny guy. He knew how, why it was funny and all that just didn't realize how many of us would, you know, grow up to fill a basement yeah. with collectibles sort of thing. Um, well, and it's, it's interesting so, yeah. too, that he said that it was sacrilege. I mean, he's saying it in jest, obviously this is, this is his tone, the way that he per- portrays himself. He was saying it in jest not, that it was a sacrilegious thing, but yeah, not jest is not the right word. Jest suggests that he's like, he's joking about it. Yeah. He's being, he's being kind of light about it is what it amounts to. He, he is dead yeah. serious that, you know, he understand he, or he was saying he didn't understand that it was, um, you know, that important. And it's kind of interesting to note too, that he kind of, this one was very broad. The sacrilegious thing was not down to any one thing. It was just in general, right? Yeah. That the the movie, you know, uh, you know whether you know, depending on the person, whether it be the cast, whether it be that it was a reboot, you know, all these different things. Whether it was they messed with the equipment or whatever, there was all these. There was many reasons that people, you know, may have reacted to it as sacrilegion. Right. Right. So. Which yeah. and and I think that's what's causing, you know, when you go to GB fans, you see the the fervor that is caused by people that like the movie, didn't like the movie, and but I think you hit it right on the head there. It's because it's a different it's a different reason for everybody because of the cast, because of the reboot, because it didn't include yeah. the original characters, because it didn't include you know there's there's so many different reasons, and I think that's why now he's he's sort of you yeah. know he's he's reflecting on it in this manner um, that. Uh, he's, I know, sacrilegious just sounds so so tough, and especially when he follows that up by saying, you know, I'm I'm a people person and I'm a pleaser, and that's all I wanted to do was please people, and so dealing with all of his hatred was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Yes, his you feel comment bad that, for him. Really? His comment that he used to have a a, a a a great relationship with the internet prior to this movie yeah. was a. Uh, that was a little that was a little sad. It's like, no. Yeah, no. I had a lovely relationship with the internet, so when that first volley of terribleness came in, honestly it threw me for a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, I feel bad for the guy. But um, you know, it, I, I think to, I used to love going to that tropical paradise until the tsunami. <laughs> until until it now blew yeah. away the resort that I loved. Yeah. <laughs> um I, I mean it's and I have a feeling we're going to be getting a lot more of these conversations as, as time passes and there's a little bit of distance in the rear rear view mirror on this. Um, but, <laughs> I suspect uh, there'll be one coming up this July. So that's, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like the, the one year anniversary is coming. There's no way the anniversary of that movie is going to go by without somebody going, it's a year later. Let's yeah. have a look at it. Let's let's and pick at the scab and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't decided if my response is sure, why not? Or no, let's not, please. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. I don't I pick mean, at it. Yeah, don't don't pick at that. It's, it needs to heal. It needs time. Um and I don't know. I mean, it's. I think. I think the distance is going to help on on a certain level with a lot of different things. You know, uh, f- to put some perspective on it for the people that were involved, for us to have uh, absorbed the film, and I'm I'm in the the camp that I feel like every time I watch the film, I get something different out of it, and I'm slowly absorbing it. And it's like when you listen to an yeah. album for the first time, you it may sound a little familiar because you like the band, uh, but you, the songs you don't know by heart, everything is kind of catchy and you just, you need to listen to an album a few times before you really get a, a sense of it. And you know, yeah, we're still, like everything's you said, we're off. a year in on this. Yeah. And everything's off kilt. Cause I mean, even as you know, less than five years ago, 
you know, the one year anniversary of a movie, the thing will have barely made it out onto home video. Sure, yeah. And now it'll be a year out, and it will have been on home video for most for of a year. Almost that year, yeah, exactly. So, the turnaround home- time is. You know, audiences want their content and they want it right this yeah. second. So. so there's no, there's no, you know, there's no cooling down period, and then people revisit it in the home video market. Like people have had it, and uh, well, yeah. So at any rate, uh, hopefully we can actually get some audio from that Tribeca to up until this point has not posted video or audio of that that chat so if if we do get it then we can hear him and, and kind of get some context from it because uh, i feel like it there, would be a really interesting thing to hear that entire discussion if, if possible there is some i'll send you the link oh there is oh all right well we're gonna throw so. a clip now so that we can hear <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not a it's not a long one obviously like it, they posted it literally the day it happened oh okay uh it's on twitter it's about three minutes of discussion or something oh, okay, like so that. That's part of it. All right. Well, let's, uh, so what we'll do is if you send that to me, we'll, we'll insert it here, wait for the chime. And then you will hear some of that audio. Here we go. Here's, here's that audio that Chris was talking about. It is frustrating just because you're like, why is there any kind of litmus test on this? Yeah. It's not like you're taking it over the old ghost boat. <laughs> <laughs> it still exists. <laughs> A lot of people talk about for some reason. No, it was, it was, I don't know. It's, I just didn't, what I didn't realize that that was that ghost, you know, I, I was in, just coming out of film school you know, in my early 20s when Ghostbusters came out. We went to see opening weekend. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, oh my God, what an amazing idea for a movie. But that was kind of it for me. I didn't realize it was like religion for like sort of the generation of boys <laughs> after me, you know. And, and it was, it turned out it was the ultimate boys movie for some weird reason a lot of guys this is like it, it was their thing and so i didn't realize what to them what a sacrilegious thing i did which is kind of like oh come on let's grow up it's true the magic of podcasting there it is live we're putting it all together as we speak Boy, uh, i really hope i can find that link again or no, that's all right. oh there it is yeah, see that was easy uh, uh hey. it's short it's 55 seconds it's only 55 all seconds right. Well, they're even better. So thanks for listening to those 55 seconds that I didn't have to. <laughs> thanks for not to wandering off. Um, all right. Bored. How do you guys feel about a little music? Let's talk music because there were mm-hmm. uh, two big news items, music related, one of which actually happened. Speaking of July uh, a year ago, uh, this article came out in that flurry of, of the new movie. And, and for some reason, I completely missed it. I had, I don't know if it was because it didn't really get traction or if it did and it just got buried because there was so much uh volume of ghostbusters news at that point but uh, at any rate uh mick smiley uh you know him you love him from the uh, original ghostbusters soundtrack who did the magic song um there's a headline on medium that says mick smiley made the best ghostbusters song then he disappeared uh and this had you seen this chris is this am i totally no. in the minority Ring. here when you posted it, it rang no bells with me either. And yeah, had no idea. And and it was something, too, because he's one of the ones that we rarely hear from. And when you read the article, you understand why you haven't heard from him. He's he's sort of one of those guys that he, uh, he worked his way up through the club scene here in Los Angeles with his band. Uh, they had a really good run. They played at the Troubadour and, and the Roxy and all of these big venues that are, are really famous in Los Angeles. And then... 
uh, as things are are want to do uh, on on bands and being a rock and roll star, uh, it sounds like the band broke up and everybody didn't like each other and and it kind of crashed and burned. Um, so he he sort of secluded himself. Um, his name is not Mick Smiley. That was the other revelation in this article that, you know, that was his stage name. And that's why it's been really difficult for people to track him down as well. Um, but so, so anyway, this article talks about how they did find Mick. They talked to him about that, uh, that familiar song that was on Ghostbusters and, uh, well, yeah. And, oh, and the funny thing too, is he talks about how the song completely shifts in the middle of the, because I know, there were it, creative differences there that it was a ballad. And then, uh, this is boring. It needs to be something else. So they, they like re-recorded the second half of the song. <laughs> the boring half apparently uh, got left behind, and then the second half is what everybody is familiar with in the. Uh... Yeah, in, it was in a mystery too. I film. mean, we talked before about how the soundtrack was a very early example of the, you know, pop music as soundtrack rather than score. And, right. Uh, right. And and for those of us that are like, yeah, and then we're like, wait, what's this song? And then halfway through, <laughs> oh, right, there's oh, the song we know. Oh. Actually, as a kid, for the longest time, I would I would fast forward through that on the cassette tape that I had because oh, I'm, I'm like, I don't, this isn't even in the movie. And I'm then sure you weren't alone. Point, yeah, <laughs> because it was you know there's the, the air supply song that to this day I still skip through. Sorry, air supply, but um, but yeah, it, it just one of these really right place at the right, right time, but something that he had dismissed because they did this demo tape and then I guess everybody was not really that happy with it. And somehow that tape ended up on Ivan Reitman's desk when he was searching for demos of things to cut into the film to sort of punch up where Elmer Bernstein's score wasn't uh, necessary. And uh, apparently he listened to that song. He heard the shift that happens midway through the song and went, Oh my God, it's like it was made. It was custom tailored to the movie. It, it fits the cut. Exactly. Everything is perfect. Get me this song. And, uh, and it sounds like it was surprising to Mick Smiley. I don't think he expected to be getting a call from <laughs> Ivan Reitman that it was going to be in this movie called Ghostbusters. Um, and it also, I get the impression it's something he kind of might be a little resentful toward. I feel like he was kind of done with everything. He was done with the band. He was done with rock and roll. And now he's got this one song that it's like, he's a wedding DJ. So I'm sure he goes and he plays these venues and they go, Oh my God, you're the ghostbusters guy, dude. Uh, but well, he's, he's always kind of been not so like, much anymore. <laughs> well, not so much anymore, but I think the other thing that didn't help is he, he does throw a comment in there where he talks about how ghostbusters was the number one hit single, right? Ray Parker yeah. jr. Is, is raking in the dough. Uh, and then the second single from that album that came out was cleaning up the town, which didn't have as much of, of an impact. It didn't resonate with, with audiences at that at point uh, as much as it did, uh, or as much as the Ghostbusters song did. And so I don't think they released Magic as a single in the way that they were supposed to have. Like, they were supposed to release the next single, which I guess was supposed to be Magic. Yeah. And that did not happen. So I think he's also resentful for that fact that he was, you know, batting third in the order and he never got up to the plate. So I, that that's the yeah, impression. Yeah, but at the I same time, him. he's 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 kind of grumpy that he didn't think he was going to be going up to plate anyways. Like it's uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's it's really 
it, it is it is a very strange situation and and you know until you've walked in the guy's shoes you have no idea why he's uh kind of yeah. trying to leave it all behind because he 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 is trying to completely distance himself to the point where the guys that were doing this interview had to email back and forth with him a few times because he was just giving them like terse email responses nope not interested sorry guys i don't want to talk about this um, and they had to kind of gently write, look, we're not going to, we just want to, we just want to know what you're up to. We want to find out, you know, what, uh, what Ghostbusters, uh, brought to you in terms of success or, or lack thereof, or we just want to talk to you about it. And they were finally yeah. able to warm him up to that point, but, uh, just really interesting stuff. Uh, go seek it out. It's, uh, on medium and the author's name is Abraham Reisman. Um, and, and, uh, a, a hat tip needs to go out to the Ghostbusters Mexico because, if you guys would not have reposted that from a year ago, I don't think I would have yeah. ever seen it. It was just one of those that got lost and buried. So that's, that's such a cool thing. I, again, like uh, two or three weeks ago, we were talking about things that should be in like a second volume of the ultimate visual history. I feel like yeah, this needs to go right, right next to the ghostbusters music video explanation. Uh, exactly. One, one of those. That's, um, that's really cool. Once it, once you've read the article, hit YouTube and search for the, the official video. <laughs> which again shows intent that they were going to make it this big you know third uh single because they they shot a video for it shot a video for it yeah but uh and there's a weird remix too did you watch slash listen to that on the the article as well uh that i didn't get to and i'm wondering if it's the one i ran into is it his remix or it's somebody uh, remixed it later it's no no it's his remix and it's no it's not the one that went on to the the ghostbusters redux uh album okay yeah um no i'll have to go listen to that then yeah it's it's uh, it's a strange on the redux album uh it's i i think well, yeah, I, I, I was going to say I'll play it on the air, but we've, we've already played a couple things, and we're about to play some other music, so uh, <laughs> next time, guys. We'll play that, that remix for you guys next time. But, yeah. um, so, so speaking of that other music that we're going to play for you, um, the uh, Heide Park Resort uh, in Germany, obviously it's, it's open, the, the ride is open to the public, and, and seems to be actually getting pretty good reviews uh, in comparison to when the Dubai Motion Gate ride opened and we started hearing the, oh, it's not that fun uh <laughs> there were a lot of people that were leaving disappointed from that ride uh Hyde park sounds like everything is is going swimmingly everybody is enjoying the ride um to the point where we did get news from um i am a score which is the german company that has provided all of the music for the ride uh, a good 40 minutes worth which is yeah. interesting as well um, because I, and that makes sense because they've got the ride, then you're waiting in line, you're standing in the queue and there's probably some background music. I'm sure there's a safety video, tutorial video, uh, all that kind of stuff. They probably had to write music for, but, um, but so they, uh, they're very proud of the work that they've done. Uh, and they released a four minute clip, which, uh, we're going to play in entirety, uh, just to forewarn you because it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but before we do, Chris, I want to talk to you about it because you had mentioned, and it was something I noticed too, that they found a workaround. They found a way to get around the Huey Lewis issue here. It's well, yeah, it's not. I, it's not exactly a genius thing or anything like that. It's literally, it's what they essentially did was the same thing that uh, you hear all the time on TV when somebody goes, "We want to make a joke reference 
to like this movie or this TV show or something. So we want music that sounds like the theme, but we can't pay for the theme. So can you make music that kind of sounds like the theme? <laughs> and really, they just take the melody or the riff, but they just move the notes around. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or they go up when they're supposed to go down. And that's exactly what they did here. Yeah, exactly. Instead <laughs> so, of instead of going down an octave, it goes up an octave. And it uh, instead of having two beats, it has one beat. And uh, very interesting. And actually, I mean, I think it works. It and because it's yeah. sort of a more simplistic, um, synthesized uh, score, it it actually it lends itself well to the the theme song that they did. But um, so I th- I thought that was interesting. And then I also thought it was interesting because uh, a, a couple people pointed out to us. Um, that it takes cues from the uh, 2016 trailer, which that music that is still yet to be released in its entirety uh, cleared, probably because it was probably just done from a trailer music vendor. And they're like, we're not going to, I don't, it's like the two steps from hell guys. They don't release their music for people to buy or download because that's just not what, that's not what their industry is. But yeah. um, So, so people have mistakenly said, Oh, it's the song that was used in the trailer. And I don't think that's, quite true i think they're actually being they're taking inspiration from that sort of downbeat to the like synthesized drum hits uh that were used in the the trailer and 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 incorporating that into what they've done but but also again very interesting it's it's their way of updating it for a modern audience much in the way that uh, run dmc updated uh ghostbusters for for their theme song in 89 um yeah or um uh, the gentleman whose name is now completely falling out of my head who redid it for Extreme Ghostbusters. Oh, Jim Latham, right? Jim Latham, thank yeah, you, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, Same deal. He completely uh, just fiddle with that uh, that riff, that bass riff, and you'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. We kind of have these time capsules of covers of the Ghostbusters theme song now because, like, you mentioned the Jim Latham one that sort of is indicative of the uh, it's extreme ghostbusters. Obviously it's of the extreme grunge rock nineties and it's kind of got that, you know, kind of that uh, lazy growly guitar. Um, and then, uh, obviously run DMC indicative of 89, uh, run DMC is huge and, and hip hop is taking off and that makes a whole lot of sense. So the, the synth pop era, is that how we'll be defined here in, uh, 2017? Oh, I don't know. The <laughs> I don't even know what you'd call it, frankly. It's yeah. <laughs> Although what I did like about it is it does more and more indicate terms of the agreement between uh Columbia and Ray Parker Jr. and uh Huey Lewis and his uh record company in that obviously Ray Parker Jr.'s uh version stands uh, and by extension, the real Ghostbusters version, which is a, it's a re-recording as well, right? Uh, but it's not that far off the thing. Like it keeps the same, uh, the same, the same uh, riff. So obviously, those two were allowed to run, but everything else since then has had to to steer clear of it. Yeah, everything else is uh, everything else that is derivative has had to steer clear of the Huey Lewis. Uh that that yeah. that rhythm although i'll have to go back and re-listen to it i feel like the walk the moon cover kind of gets away with it too i feel like it's still kind of in there that though may fall into the the realm of 
the 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 sampling and the remix thing. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. Because what they're doing is if they're lifting from the original, I'd have to go back and listen to it as well. I don't. I think it's a full. It's a new recording, but so uh, yeah. I don't know. It it's it's one of those things. And if you guys don't know what we're talking about, hopefully well, Mark you do. Ronson's definitely falls into the category of we're just going to lift elements from the original. Yeah, yeah, and that's. And then it ends up getting credited to Ray Parker Jr. I don't. Uh, music rights are such a weird, tangled ball of yarn. But um, <laughs> it's. I, 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 and we're both of us. Neither one of us, obviously, are uh, music uh, clearance supervisors or no, uh, legal people. Or so we're sort of completely speaking out of turn here. But um, it, yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting to to hear how people have sort of worked around that. Uh, the I want a new drug. Uh, issues so at any rate uh well let's let's let you guys listen for yourselves uh here is the the music we're gonna oh let's play the whole thing uh this is the ima score that they're using at the Hyde park resort um and it seems to be going over really well so that's why we'll play the whole thing here it is
All right. How about, how about beer, Chris? Can we talk about beer next? Oh, sure. Always. Always talk about beer. Uh, so let's talk about Noble Ale Works, a uh, craft brewery here in Anaheim, California. They have uh, an ecto in, uh, ecto in, <sighs> I'm so tired. Ecto cooler inspired, not an ecto in cooler spire. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Uh, beer that's called Ghostbusters. Very clever guys. That's coming speaking, out. On, speaking of workarounds. Speaking of workarounds. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, goats butter, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Uh, but uh, it seems like it's it's very ecto cooler inspired in the fact that it's uh, mandarin orange and uh, maybe a little tart. And of course, the can looks a lot like the new ecto cooler can a little bit. Um, well, it's slimed. It's slimed. Yeah, it's 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 obviously it's you can totally understand where they're going with it. And and a lot of these craft breweries, my my local brewery had a, a, a Super Mario Brothers inspired beer. I have no idea how they got away with it before they got a cease and desist order. But uh, it was delicious, and Super Mario was on the beer label. But then it was gone. So maybe when it's limited, it's okay. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little confused about how the, all that works. Like. Because the world is awash in Super Mario homage and mashup t-shirts, and they are completely left alone. Yeah, they're left alone, and and I would imagine in this instance, I mean, I guess because maybe Sony doesn't look at it as completely infringing upon their copyright, they're never going to... Sony Columbia is not ever going to brew their own beer... So I don't feel like this is something that is in competition to them. So maybe they look the other yeah. way or maybe they, because it's, again, it's limited. It comes out on, on, you know, a certain date and they only make a certain amount. Uh, maybe yeah. they do it before they get away with it, you know, before well, somebody yells it, at them. Yeah. When you call it Ghostbusters and you're doing a limited amount, yeah, I don't know that any lawyer is going to jump in and really it falls well into the, the, that old adage of it's you know easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. So right, right. Yeah, you make a small batch, you sell it off, and if somebody serves you, because that's always the first step too. Cease and desist, and you go easy enough. <laughs> we already <laughs> stopped making it, so exactly. Maybe unless, that's how they unless, get away with it. Unless you're making millions of dollars, and then you don't get a cease and desist, you get pay up. Yeah, exactly. Then you get a you owe us for our intellectual property. And I don't think I don't think this is gonna you know no really, no. Um, so hopefully, uh, since that one is local, so some somewhat local to me, uh, and the Southland yeah. Ghostbusters and the SoCal Ghostbusters, hopefully we can head down there, crack open a couple of those, and we'll we'll report back to you on on how they taste. Uh, doesn't doesn't sound like they're going to be a wide release. That's you know no. craft craft brew at its finest right there. But just in time for summer. Yeah, mm, beer. Because uh, you know winter's over in California. <laughs> the snow's gone and you guys can sit out on a patio now yay well yeah eventually i can sit out on a patio and just drink <laughs> beers post deadline uh but uh let's talk about our good friend ernie hudson because this guy's been in the sure. news quite a bit um uh first first and foremost i know there's a lot of people out there that are excited he has been cast in the upcoming twin peaks revival and uh I, we don't have any information on who he's going to play uh, as nope. a understand quite yet we don't have a lot of information on the revival at all to be completely honest which is okay i think the less you know about something like twin peaks going into it uh, the better but uh so yeah uh, ernie will be on that he also has still yet to appear on angie tribeca if you're fans of that uh, show i i certainly am and i love watching that when it uh, airs live uh, he has not shown up there yet either so hopefully he'll be on that show soon 
Um, but he was in uh, a really great article. Um, a, a friend of mine who we've actually mentioned on the show before, who wrote the Big Trouble in Little China making of book that just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tara Bennett did an interview with him for uh, Blaster, the the sci-fi uh, blog, and it's it's really great. I mean, Tara is an excellent interviewer, so she gets a lot of great stuff out of him. Um, and there's also there's something to be said for people that, uh, as I sit here rambling, talking, uh, who interview and they let the other person talk. That they they throw them something that inspires a conversation. And they just, they let that person uh, give you the full story and they try not to get the sound bite. It's what Chris Hardwick is really good at. You know, he sits with somebody yeah. and he gets two hours out of them, but it's just a conversation and he lets that other person speak, which I love. Um, so she did that with Ernie and she has a really great interview that you need to go out and you need to read because it talks about the entirety of his career. Uh, yes, including Congo. Yes, including Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Um, anything and everything. But... Uh, keeping in mind that we are a Ghostbusters podcast, we will talk about the Ghostbusters section here um, because uh, a lot of people have, especially the last couple of weeks, have said, look, Ernie hates the reboot and Ernie hates the cast. And, and it's just all a bunch of quotes that are taken out of context where here he's really given it a chance to explain himself, to explain his feelings. And you really understand, um, much like we're talking about Mick Smiley, you really understand maybe his disappointment, you know, he wanted to be more involved. He wanted to be a big part of stuff again. And he, he had kind of held on to that hope that after 20 some years, uh, keeping that torch aflame for Ghostbusters that, you know, it was going to pay off and they were going to get the band back together and they were going to make another movie. And it was going to be as much fun as the first two were. And, uh, you, you really get a sense, uh, from that, from the article. So if, if you're okay with it, Chris, if you permit me, I'm going to read just a section from this here. Do it. Um, so the question is, uh, you've been frank over the years about Ghostbusters not being the experience for you that it was for fans. How do you feel about it now? And he responds with, it's certainly been a bit of a love-hate relationship, but now it's at the place of just love. I've got nothing but love for it. It didn't change my life like I hoped. Uh, until then, I thought as an actor, the thing was going to get into a major film from a major studio. And then when it comes out, the world will change and the world didn't change in any way that I expected it to change. Uh, but it's lasted for over 30 years. The fans are amazing. I just don't understand it. And then he laughs, you know, he just, he thinks we're amazing, but he just doesn't get what, why we're really into it or the, the reasons that we're into it. Uh, and he says, but I appreciate it. I appreciate them. I don't think there is a day when I'm in public that somebody won't come up and mention it. And as I said, I don't quite understand it because I'm not a fan of anyone that way, but I appreciate that people are, and it's from the spectrum, young, old, you name it. Uh, and then she follows up by saying with last year's take on the franchise, now less of a lightning rod, any thoughts on the end result? And his, his thoughts are very clear here. He says, I was really happy they were going to do something more with the franchise because fans were waiting a long time. I saw the movie and I was in the movie and I thought it was very entertaining. In hindsight, I had hoped they would have had done 30 years later so we could have made those cameos as the original characters as opposed to the way they were done. So he says, I had hoped they would have done 30 years later as if it would be a direct continuation of the first two movies. Um, and, and that's, that's what I think he's been trying to articulate in the press, uh, elsewhere. And, 
yeah and and the, you know the soundbite culture just pulls out ernie hudson doesn't like the new movie you know they're, they're not letting him sort of speak his piece and I, I get it i understand he's he's so near and dear to it we're so near and dear to it it's like we were talking about at the top of the show with paul feig we grew up on it and ernie he's saying it didn't really generate the career boost that he thought it would but he's been a big part of it now for 30 some years so. yeah that's a that happens quite a bit uh, like uh, people who are fans of something are kind of disappointed when they run into the people who worked on it and they're kind of like, it's just a job. <laughs> like they were there for it, but then they moved on to the next project. And, yeah. you know, that was kind of Ernie for the longest time. But then as time goes on, almost without fail, the people who were like, it was just a job, they get further down the line. They're kind of like, wow, this is still going. And, you know, this is important yeah. to a lot of people. Yeah. And um, they're so excited when they see me and all that. And it's like, well, yeah, they're worse things in life. So yeah, and and look at um, <coughs> look at Harrison Ford on Star Wars, or even Dennis Lawson, who showed up to the new Star Wars celebration. These are guys. In so many words, did the William Shatner get a life thing? Like, well, come yeah. on, why are you standing in line for this uh, goofy movie with a space bear? Like, what what's the deal? Um, but you know, I think <laughs> even with Bill Murray now, uh, as he gets a little bit older and he gets a little more self reflexive uh, toward his career and the things he's done in his life. I think he understands now what an impact it had on people. And I think he appreciates that a little bit more as opposed to dismissing it as, Oh, they're just a bunch of nerds that are, you know, Trekkies. They know everything inside and out and uh, get alive people. You know, that's, I, I don't feel that they have that mentality anymore. I don't, I don't feel that society in general has that mentality anymore. If, if you create something and people are fans of it, you don't immediately resent them anymore you don't just what what are you guys doing it's just a stupid thing that we air six o'clock at night on a saturday whatever yeah um so it's it's very interesting it's a very good article uh definitely go check out the entirety of it um because it's i feel like ernie you know we get a lot of great conversations with him but this is one that uh he's very honest he's very candid with and it's there in its entirety the the transcript is unaltered so you you get to get the full sense of it um what's Let's talk Playmobil. Let's. I. I want to. I want to talk. I want to get your thoughts on that game that just came out. Uh, sure. So there's uh, for people who don't know Playmobil as part of their lead up to the uh, release of the toys uh, coming out in uh, two weeks time now. When you're listening to this, they have released a mobile app on uh, iOS and Android uh, that looks like a side scroller game. Chris, what I, I haven't had a chance to play with it. Maybe you you had a chance to play around with it and and and. Uh, experience it for yourself so how how was it what is it uh it's a simple little arcade game and it's just in the, the firehouse is. is that it's just like yep. a, one little okay yeah uh i mean i guess theoretically i could live long enough and go someplace else but uh yeah uh, so far that doesn't seem to be the case i made it's it sort of far uh, along it looked very donkey kong ish maybe well, Canada? yeah, that's a good, well, when I say arcade, I mean Donkey Kong, Burger Time, Lock and Chase, you name it. Yeah, All of those yeah. games where it was like multi-levels and up and down ladders or stairs and trying to live for as long as you can. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, so you pick your, you can pick uh, one of the five Ghostbusters, the fifth being Janine. Oh, that's cool. All right. Or you can, uh, with some very limited uh, options, you can make your own. Uh uh, which I tried, and there's uh, you have to have hair, so none of them look like me. 
Oh, buddy. I'm sorry. <sighs> but anyways, uh, yeah. so it's it's me in Playmobil form when I was in university. Um, and then it's pretty straightforward. Well, the one thing I haven't figured out yet is they're like uh, tilt the thing to move back and forth. And in the end, I ended I had to tap the sides. Oh. So they have, they have a left and right fire button, and then I just tapped off of the left and right off those buttons to move around. So I don't know if that mm. was like a design thing where they went, use the tippy thing. Nobody likes the tippy thing, but they forgot to take the <laughs> They forgot to take the copy change the instructions yeah. or whatever. Uh, and that's all you do. You run around. You have a limited number of traps. You you hit a ghost with a beam until it's you know a, the trap automatically goes out. When your traps are full, you gotta go to a containment unit uh, on each floor to basically recharge your traps. And uh, every time you get to a certain number of well, you know, level up or f- number of ghosts or whatever, they're like, here, improve. Pick what you want to improve: more traps, more life, longer proton power, all this stuff. Uh, move faster, and that's it. You just keep going and try and stay alive, and don't don't get touched by a ghost. And because yeah. if you do, you uh, run out of life. Is it is it a freebie? Is it a free download? Yeah, free download. Oh, that's cool. That, then it makes sense that it's a little more simplistic too. It's it, yeah. it, it's obviously marketing for Playmobil, so that's not surprising that it's free. But they they may add more to it. Now, what's baffling about it, and this goes back to our earlier conversation, is they have huge like scene redos like uh from the movie as the opening movie like uh um them seeing the fire hall for the first time oh. like just, just, we gotta sleep here tonight uh, but like uh, the, the stuff that we saw in the trailer is this new stuff new new, uh, new stuff oh, oh, okay. what do you mean the trailer that came out the, that was online today or oh no no i mean of of the four you know there's cinematic trailers that they've done the the ones the that we seems, had the playmobile guys on we saw about. hints of them and these seem yeah. to be more and longer versions of oh, them. interesting but not only that they're timed out to the movie so like they do they have a shot of shooting stay puffed and the murray character the, the vankman character actually has that pause between two and three you know one two Three roast them. I was like, "What? <laughs> Why did you like?" Yeah, they want to um, keep it authentic. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I know they want to make it authentic, but here's the thing: that's a free game that, for all intents and purposes, is meant to just promote the flame of the Ghostbusters Playmobil coming out. And they have some, you know, Lego Movie, you know, level Playmobil opening cinematic stuff, which begs the question: Did you do all that just for the game, or? Are we gonna Are we, see yeah. a movie? Give us more. Yes, I would. I would actually be interested to see. I I think you would find a a a, a nice uh, segue into a certain younger demographic of fan. Like you could introduce it to a whole new wave of fans just by taking the original movie, taking out some of the the slightly more adulty bits, and playmobile them up, and just. Run the story yeah. that way. Just do, Works do fine. A, a, a new version of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Well, two two things you just actually inspired with me, Chris. Because, yeah, I want to see that movie still, or a series. Yeah. But then I almost wonder, too, if this is Playmobil uh, dipping their toes into the waters, just knowing how immensely successful those Lego games are across, God, yeah. every platform, uh, consoles, mobile, you name it. Um, I wonder if, if this is them sort of testing the waters to see if maybe they can do something... A little more in depth, uh, a little bigger on a console. Don't know. 
Huh. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 impressive the the the, the amount uh, and quality of work they put into these little opening things. My oh, only man. complaint being that they have Ghostbusters two Playmobil Janine recreating her. We got one oh, bit from yeah, the first movie. That was kind of weird in the trailer too. I I, I somebody I want to say on. Well, on GB fans or on on one of the Facebook pages, did point that out that that was their their only nitpick about the Playmobil toys was that it was a uh, Ghostbusters two Janine. But I guess maybe because she's a little more she's a little easier defined with the Red Bull haircut and the the brighter glasses. Yeah. Maybe it's it's a little easier to hone that Janine uh, than the sort of uh, bookish uh, librarian kind of Janine. Maybe, but yeah, um, the the. The larger Bob hair, redheaded haircut is a lot easier to do than the the short, uh, more brown yeah, yeah. Bob from the and, first and movie. And differentiates her more from the other guys, too, a little bit. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so so interesting. I, I definitely, I'm going to have to download that. I have, a, uh, I have a business dinner coming up tomorrow that I might just download that for and have to take an important phone call and go into the lobby and, and use that. Oh, wait, my boss listens to this. Just kidding. I'm totally engaged <laughs> in the conversation that we're having right now. Um, so, all right. So there's two more things on the rundown. We're almost here at the hour. So let's, let's, uh, sneak them in. Uh, Stephen Dane, uh, the late great, uh, art director, designer, um, uh, illustrator, you, you name it. He, he was responsible for all of the Ghostbusters, uh, gear, he and Michael C. Gross and, uh, and, and that team really defined all of the stuff that we, uh, have come to know and love today. And, uh, he, you know, after he passed, uh, because he was such a, he was an enigmatic guy. He wasn't really in the public limelight, uh, even though he had worked on Buckaroo Banzai and, um, Blade Runner and of course, Ghostbusters, se- several other movies, big movies that we all love. Um, and, and just because, you know, the, the art directors and the production designers usually don't get a whole lot of recognition either. Um, it, it, it was really great to see the Art Directors Guild magazine, which is Perspectives, uh, this month in their March-April issue. They have a good, I want to say five or six page spread. It's, it's a digital PDF that you can go and download and we'll put the links up on on the crossrip and in proton charging and, and across all of the social media. But, um, but it's, it's like a good five or six pages that has a really great, uh, some designs that I actually haven't seen before, uh, especially the Buckaroo Banzai ones. Um, Ghostbusters. I don't think there was anything new. Did you, did you have a chance to look at that Chris at all? I did not know. Oh, okay. So it's again, as you pointed out at the beginning, it kind of just kind of, drop today yeah, and, and there's, there's not a whole it. lot of time yeah i mean and the, the article the the focus of the uh, article is mainly his his sketches his designs there's a great the the first title splash page is the ecto 1a sketch that we've all seen and we we know uh yeah. it's sort of that three-quarter turn where he points out all of the changes um but then he also has drawings of the traps uh the original ecto um there's a great photo of the unprimered uh ecto uh, before they started on it uh, in in eighty four, um, just a great great article. Um, check check that one out uh, because it's it's more visual than anything. So I just want to make sure that we mention it on the air. Yeah. Uh, but hit hit those links because it's it's really great. It's a good tribute to him, and actually it's a really great magazine. I was unfamiliar with Perspectives uh, until now. That's that's one. If you're in the film business, if you're in the film industry, or you're interested in set design, production design, uh, it's it's a must read. So so check that one out. 
Um, and then, all right. So the last thing on the rundown, Chris, uh, speaking of things to read, I guess I can't really stick my head in the sand <laughs> on this anymore. <laughs> like at, at a certain point, it gets to confess, confess, <laughs> confess. <laughs> well, like the, the cover images out there with your name on it and it hasn't, it hasn't been officially announced and I'm like, I don't want to be that guy, but uh, I'll play <laughs> just stay tuned. <sighs> But uh, at a certain point, yeah, it's it's out there. It's in the wild. So um, coming this October, ladies and gentlemen, I am very, very pleased to finally be able to tell you uh, there is a Haynes Ghostbusters Ectomobile Owner Service Manual that is coming out. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, 120, plus, 120 plus pages, um, and it is chock full of hopefully awesome goodness that you guys will all uh, love. And it, it hasn't been officially announced yet, but I do want to start talking about it because they solicited a few uh, like mock-up pages, uh, I guess is the best way, like thumbnail pages. I don't know what the the best way to describe them is. But sample pages. Sa- yeah. Sample pages. They're, those are not actual pages from the book, uh, no. which obviously when you open them up, you will know, you'll see it's lorem ipsum, you know, for placement only text. Uh, there's an image of a stunt ghost trap upside down, which uh, to this day uh, makes a vein pop out in a couple of our foreheads. Uh, I don't know how that snuck past people, but so um, so yeah. So it is. It's a technical manual. Um, I don't want to tell everybody too much about it quite yet, uh, but it's a technical manual that covers all three of the Ectomobiles: uh, Ecto, Ecto One, Ecto One A, and then the 2016 Ecto One. Um, and then a few other surprises in there, uh, including, you know, maybe some of the gear that we were just talking about that Stephen Dane helped design, uh, ah. and possibly some of the operations of that gear and how it yeah. works and how you should work it. Uh, very, I mean, the, the hope is that this is something that, um, at least my goal, uh, is that, you know, you guys out there, when you pick it up, if you are a prop replica builder if you are a uh a a tech aficionado because there's a lot of theoretical science in this and uh we we sort of answer a lot of questions including what a lot of the stuff on the ecto-1 roof rack finally does uh which to me as a kid was just it was puzzling i wanted to know what everything did and now we finally know i think it's important to point out because um uh, I, I have known f- for a little while that you were working on this, and I know what the the goals of the publisher and you as author have been for this book. Because the, the thing about this is this is not just a, a jokey uh, replica of a Haynes manual. Oh, like, no, Haynes yeah, is no. on board. Yeah. And you yeah. have Haynes illustrators working on it. It is, uh, it is a collaboration to make it as much an official Haynes manual to a, a, a fictional, <laughs> a, a, a fictional, real fictional vehicle. Yeah. Uh, which there, the thing, the, yeah, therein lies the problem. It's real and it's fictitious, but yeah. yeah. But the thing that I think is important to point out is that these little sample pages that came out are kind of wetting people's whistles and kind of misleading them in a couple of places. Cause as somebody pointed out was, I was really hoping, you know, to get more out of what's on the roof than just siren and I'm like, yeah, there's way more than just siren. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one That's... of those things where, on the one hand, everybody looks at it and goes, oh, it's the Ipsum Lorem text. So, obviously, this is a placeholder. And then they look at the illustrations and go, That's what the illustrations are like. And it's like, 
How can you accept that one is completely just an example? Yeah, we should yeah. lay it out like this, and then but accept the other one as gospel. So yeah, I mean, I think indicative of the fact that I think those mock-up pages were done when they first because I was brought into the project after it had already been uh, conceptualized, and so they probably designed those to help start selling it to booksellers. Uh, yeah. Before I came, because it says Ecto Bike, and we all know that's the Ecto Two, and little like copy things that that were yeah. immediate from the start from the outline uh, this, this, are not this reflected be, there. This might be a good example of uh, just like they had, they put the book up, listed the book uh, earlier than they should have. I get the feeling Amazon maybe have posted some <laughs> little, images little a little earlier early. than they yeah. should have too. Uh, which, which all the reason that's that's why I did want to talk about it um, because uh, yeah. I, I I want to stress for for anybody that's listening that yes, um, uh, accuracy and uh, attention to detail uh, very much important to us. And on those sample pages, you will notice things that drive me absolutely bonkers that have already been corrected, <laughs> have already been gone uh, through the pipeline. There's you know you see the. The yeah. Ecto One A monitor in the Ecto One, and it's just it's it's the little things that uh, you know you, when you've when you've done all of the research and you've figured all of that stuff out and you want attention yeah. to detail that it just drives you, you totally crazy. But well, um, it starts with it starts with getting the content right, and then it you know has to hand off to editor, and you know they have considerations of space and you know uh, how big the book is and all this sort of thing. So I know for a fact you. You really took it to the nitty gritty. Yeah. It's now just a question of how much, how much nitty were they able to put in compared <laughs> to how much gritty. That's very and true. And whether that's, yeah. whether that's going to be enough for. I mean, it's one of those things you can never please everybody. I'm sure. You know, take a deep breath. I'm sure there's good people that are going to be kind of. Uh, They've got a bone to pick with you, Mister. But I know. Yeah, well, I, it's, I, yeah, it's it's inevitable, and and we are we're only human, and and there are there are things in there. The, the thing about it is that there's been a lot that's been open to interpretation, and mm. uh, some of that in there is going to be. Um, I, I put my in air quotes because it's in world, it's in universe, so it's my interpretation of how they are are portraying right. things. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean uh, the the research I hope is all in there. I hope it's all solid in there. I hope uh, prop builders can use it as reference because there's great photography. There are measurements. There are uh, you know the hope is that when you're sitting there um, working on an Ecto one of your own, you've got this book and you've got the reference right there. And and hey, how how big are those stripes that run around the Ecto one A? Oh, there it is. It's right there in the manual. Um, so, so that I'm hoping it, uh, it satisfies people with, um, and then, uh, we worked really hard, uh, on the lore and trying to make sure that, you know, things are very interesting and, and it opens story ideas for people. So when you read it, you understand why certain equipment works in a certain way, and then that will inspire perhaps yeah. stories to come from it. Um, and then also, I, you know, it was, it was really difficult cause it's a technical manual. When you read the star Trek technical manuals, they are not fun or funny. And, and admittedly I had a lot of problems trying to make certain things funny because it's look, one of those things is a Tomahawk <laughs> missile guidance system. So, uh, mm, <laughs> I threw a little stab at humor in there and we'll see if it lands. Uh, so they, they brought in Mark Sumerak as, uh, you know, people might be familiar with him from guardians of the galaxy and, uh, and in a funny small world thing, he created Dr. Holden Radcliffe, who is on agents of shield right now. Another yeah. series that I'm working on. So, 
Um, so Mark came in, he really punched up the humor. He, he had a lot of the voices down pat and, and he, he gave it a really good solid pass. So, um, I'm, I'm really excited for you guys to see it. It is not finished yet. So I'm also being very careful as to what I say at the moment, because I don't want to promise something that's not going to be in there, but, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I just have to tell you how much fun it was, guys. Uh, being able to, uh, and it, it, fun slash embarrassing, being able to be <laughs> on the Sony lot uh, with my uh, feet hanging in the air and my ass hanging out for all of the tour people that are coming by to take pictures. I'm in there taking photos of the ceilings of the cars and the all of the the gack and all of the things that they have in the bed of the, yeah. the new Ecto and um, so we we really just tried to get as much as humanly possible uh, in there for you guys. So you, um, you need to wait 20 years and then you can start selling off your uh, your photo file bundles. <laughs> right. Exactly. The bitter. Uh, keep circulating the tapes of uh, Troy's uh, <laughs> reference photos. No, I'm going I'm to be that guy that I hold on to them and I don't share them with everybody. No, no, no. Uh, hopefully a lot of them will be in the book. Again, that's that's the thing is I'm not... They're, they're working on the layouts right now and as you said, the editors are, are in there uh, doing what editors do best uh, and, and making it uh, making it purr. So uh, stay tuned on that. There will probably be a whole lot more news uh, and and samples and things like that that we can talk about uh, leading up to October, but uh, pre-order it now if you guys want it. It's up on Amazon. It's the Haynes Ghostbusters Ectomobile uh, Owner's Service Manual uh, Workshop Manual, um, and uh, twenty twenty nine ninety five I believe is the cover price. So it's it's very. It's cheap. It's affordable. Yay. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. YouTube. And Twitter accounts. Friends is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for... Ghostbusters. Interdimensional crossword. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. I felt good. I felt yeah. I, keeping secrets is hard, man. That's keeping secrets is hard. It really is. I'm I'm like the Kristen Wiig character in those sketches that she's in there in the rainbow sweater, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like I, I just can't wait to tell people things, and then uh, you know. Uh, so it felt felt pretty good to to get that off my chest, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it's, this is your time to shine, man. This is, this is the final thoughts segment, the, uh, oh. <laughs> celebrated final thoughts segment. It's not celebrated. It's nice of you to say, but it's not celebrated. I still want you to do it like Andy Rooney at some point somewhere. At <laughs> some point. It's Andy, it's Andy Rooney. Yeah. Okay. What does ectoplasm uh, smell what like? What does ectoplasm smell like? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Something like that. Why is ecto cooler so sugary? Does it have to be so sugary? Isn't fruit sugary enough? <laughs> um, 
my final thought comes down to uh yeah do you listen to uh i was there too podcast uh you've recommended it and i've i haven't dipped it's in my lineup but i'm still so far behind on gilbert Gottfried casts rebel force radio yeah. casts uh yes have some cast the thing is that the playlist is so jam-packed that i haven't gotten to it yet but well you may want to get on the ball there mister oh. so oh i mean i know i've talked about it before and i know i've talked to you and you know even off the air even more about it yeah but uh it's run by mr matt gorley who's uh an improver comedian actor down there in the LA basin. Um, and essentially what it is, is he connects with people who were present, uh, as he puts it, you know, for, uh, cinematic history. Uh, right, right. and then he talks about, you know, like, so obviously they're not talking about the entire movie. Well, they, I shouldn't say that they do tend to talk about the movie as a whole, but the most fascinating part is that he, interviews and talks to them about being there and what it was like and what they saw and all these sort of things uh and sometimes it's you know uh people who are extras in the background all the way up to people who did bit parts all the way up to you know uh uh oh i can't remember the actor's name but he was one of the marines in um in aliens so i mean okay so yeah like co-stars essentially yeah Yeah. think of how many people are in that movie so obviously he got to see a lot of stuff because he's there with you know the ensemble you know shooting stuff up so yeah they're great interviews um you know lots of interesting insight uh basically he uh is marrying his longtime girlfriend uh he just i the reason this is my my thought of the day is like podcast comes out wednesday we record wednesday i listened to the new one today and on today's uh he basically said i'm getting married and then i'm gonna go on my honeymoon and rather than leave a big gap see the pros don't leave dark days uh, troy um (laughs) i know what he did is he reached out to his friends his podcasting friends and is having them guest host and he's he didn't name anybody who had guest hosting but he said but some of the movies we'll be talking about will be blah 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 ghostbusters and i drove off the road and into a ditch uh. and i had to go yeah so I, I now that raises instantly a whole bunch of questions because who he, is it who is it who is it and what movie is it right yeah. like because when he says ghostbusters i assume he means his preference is for uh, well, he likes talking about anything and everything, but he tends to like the old rather than the new. Right. So, yeah. but at the same time, you know, like I said, he's a he's a, a an improv actor, comedian in L.A., and they just made a new movie. It's not unlikely that you know perhaps his networking is way you know sure sure. But maybe the networking's got nothing to do with his, and maybe the networking has to do with his guest host, which then begs the question: Who's is the it, guest host? Are they closer to the new movie or the old movie? Frankly, mm. I don't care. I'm just happy that after all this time, he's he's tapped into the making of any of the movies, and uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and yeah, I got to catch up. Then. No, no idea of the date. So if we assume that. Uh, people don't disappear for any longer than what a month oh yeah max? honeymoon is a couple weeks yeah yeah right. at most it's a holiday right gotta be coming so up you disappear, soon now. you disappear for the last of your wedding and getting ready so maybe he took two weeks off. I'm saying over a month so what maybe four, pot, four episodes yeah. so okay. over the next month uh, yeah this month's over so the month of May the month of May somewhere in there 
there will be an episode dealing with Ghostbusters, and I am excited. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll if once once it is out there, Wait, live, we'll, sure we'll, to, we'll be talking about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it and uh, and point you guys toward it, obviously. But uh, obviously. all right, cool. Oh, that's good. Thanks for the heads up. That's that's one we did mention because there were so many extras that were there for the Boston filming and you and I have yeah. talked about. We need to do a I was there because we have so many points of view of, of perspectives on that. But uh, yeah, that that would be a lot of fun. So uh, stay tuned. I, I actually hope that it's the older film because there's a lot of people that we have not heard from. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping it's a new point of view on the 84 film, but that's just uh, wishful thinking. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, pretty successful podcast here, Chris. I feel successful. I feel pretty test. good about this one. Successful test. Uh, we will be back next week. We will not leave you guys hanging. We're not going to have a dark week because that's we're, we're professional. I would argue that we're professional somewhat question mark <laughs> but uh, yeah we we will be back in your ear holes next week for another episode of the cross rip uh, thank you guys so much for joining us uh, again thank you for all of your responses to the 100th episode and for your congratulations we really appreciate that uh, make sure you guys send us voicemails uh, we we love hearing those uh, we're going to start getting some more of those into the show we do have a, a backlog of them that uh, we need to start punching in here you'll you'll start hearing some of them next week but uh, yeah. until then ladies and gentlemen we'll see you on the other side Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. You could be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Fastmasters. It's a fishing show. Everything you're doing is bad. You truly scare me. I want you to love it. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.